0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's been a week where the 12th, 13th and even 14th man has come off the splinters for many, as going big at the back pings on the radar once more. To talk about that, specifically how going with the Sir lot defence is best and the death of the first striker. And I'm joined today by Nick, who's just returned from Centre Parks. You all right?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you, Tom. Had a nice weekend away with the family um, and little Moses in Centre Parks. Uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable. Um, caught up now with the football and uh, ready to talk about this weekend's action and uh, the consequences of what happened at the weekend and how we're going to be changing our team. So we're going to be focusing, as Tom said, on Big at the Back this game week. Just as quickly say who we are, we are, who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, and you can use Spotify or SoundCloud or however you'd like to listen and subscribe.
1: Cheers Nick. So as you just mentioned we're going to be talking about Bigger the Back today and I believe you've also looked at the third striker situation and reviewed what you said about the death of the third striker earlier on in the season. Free up top is probably the most kind of popular way of setting up at the moment so interesting to hear what you've got to say about that. We'll obviously be looking at the Ram as part of that voted by two Twitter polls as the acronym jaw for Robertson, Alonso and Mendy. We'll then do features and then head on to answering your many questions this week. Yeah,
0: perfect. And thanks for all the questions, as always. So let's start with the game week reviews. Do you want to start then, Tom? I heard that you had a pretty much a stormer of a game week, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I have. Got 92 points this game week. And I think last week I was looking at it thinking, oh, there's a really good score in this team. Didn't quite materialise last week. Kept the faith and did absolutely everything the same. And uh, it really paid off this week. You know, the Cherries double up. Fraser and Wilson coming in with uh, double-digit scores each. Uh, Alonso at the back, assist Alonso. our captain, you know, Richarlison nicking an assist. And uh, a clean sheet for Duffy off the bench for Robertson. Uh, three points off the bench for Hazard. And last night, uh, Edison getting two random bonus after keeping a clean sheet for Man City. So, in 92... I'm up to 77k which is the highest I've been for two seasons and it's also the first time since we started GTA that I've been above you uh, so yeah a very good week for me how about you?
0: Yeah, so you've overtaken me. Yeah, well done, well done for that. I mean, I did have a green arrow. It's my it's my seventh successive green arrow in a row as well. It's just uh, your um, your returns have been slightly higher, so you've been gaining a lot of ground. I scored seventy four points. The captaincy on Salah was sort of finally delivering, I guess, with the patience that we've both shown him. And surprisingly, that's actually his first double figure haul of the season, um, but surely not the last. Alonzo and Fraser also delivered double figures for me. Mendy picked up a clean sheet, and there's no Robertson Hazard, but had a bit of great success on the bench I've got to praise that success show with his uh, six pointer um, yeah definitely a performance that pleased me.
1: With this kind of outcome 70 plus you've got to be kind of looking at your team and saying I'm very pleased with the result and the way you played. So let's move on then with our fortunes all looking quite rosy. Today's talking point, which is big at the back. And so we've only got one talking point this week it's because we're going on the FPL show on Thursday, which we're very excited about. That means we're going to spend a little bit more time kind of researching for that later on this week During the free time we actually have got. So big at the back than Nick, obviously you've been a proponent of this for a while and it's a very interesting one, isn't it? You're almost Sir Nick's a lot, aren't you, in how much you love going big at the back. And uh, would you mind giving us a quick overview of this, why you think it's so important to think about FPL managers?
0: So, at the beginning of the season, I discussed at length the idea of going with a a premium defense, going for three or maybe four big hitters at the back and disinvesting some of your money in your forward line, which um, weren't performing to the highest standards that we would expect. And to a certain extent, I believe I've been vindicated a little bit by the performances this season. I suggested sort of two forward front line, a sort of Colin Quayner, a Boubacar. Kamara type bench warmer for that third striker to allow that investment into those premium assets. We've seen obviously Mendy, Robertson, Alonso are the three key ones that have really outperformed this season. But I also talk preseason at length, like Sven Davis, who's unfortunately not delivered, and uh, Kieran Trippier. And all season, I've had at least three of those players in my team every game week. Last game week specifically, is a shame we're not doing it last game week because 13 of the top 20 scorers in the game were unbelievably defenders. Though um, We've seen a bit of a renaissance now with the forwards and the midfielders striking back, the likes of Wilson, the Liverpool boys returning impressive scores. So um, this game week, I'm going to mention the 50 club. Eight defenders have now scored 50 points compared to seven midfielders, four forwards and one goalkeeper. So where the points are, are in the defence. Even the likes of the unpopular Kyle Walker is currently outscoring James Madison, Harry Kane and Alexander Mitrovic and offers a cheap alternative.
1: Certainly a very interesting area and something that you know we're looking at in terms of the RAM. Like Those three players are definitely becoming prevalent once more in a lot of teams. And Lewis FPL, of course, uh, suggests the idea of the dream defence this week, which is a Doherty, Robertson, Edison, Alonso and Mendy. I think it might be worth kind of having a look at these guys and just how good they are. Do you want to start off with Mendy himself then, Nick?
0: Yeah, I suppose Mendy was subject to sort of heavy criticism for his last performance. He also kind of lashed out a little bit at Lamello and he was lucky to go unpunished for that. And I think a lot of people are now saying, actually, with Mendy, is he worth bringing in? Are there other options within that City defence? Because obviously the City defence is performing extremely well. Seven clean sheets out of the ten. Um, and there are other options out there. Laporte and goalkeeper Edison, who are also sort of nailed on playing every game. But I think with Mendy, that position is his. Delph and Zinchenko are the other options in that left-back position. And they're essentially playing out of position because that's not their natural natural role. And they're covering. And they just don't offer that same sort of range of passing, control, crossing that Mendy offers. Laporte has been ever present, And it seems like Otto Mendy is completely out of favour. And there is definitely a case that Laporte offers better value as a player. And even with the attacking stats, Laporte's actually had more shots on target than uh, Mendy. Uh, Laporte has nine shots in total. Mendy's only had six. But I think Mendy's more likely to pick up those assists, five assists, thanks to the potency of his teammates. And he's got a PPG of 7.57 still, which is simply stunning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, quite a cagey press conference from Guardiola, wasn't it, after he kind of lashed out. Uh, it looks like he's gotten away with it, though, Ben Mendy. But yeah, definitely both of those players are in scope for a lot of people. Mendy, as you noted, is most likely to pick up those extra points. He's actually topped the baseline bonus per minute. That's the BPS to go into the actual bonus to get awarded amongst defenders who have played over 600 minutes, which means he generates a BPS point once every 5.4 minutes, Nick. Who do you think might be in second? It's a random one. <sighs> Holabas, Joe Gomez in second, yeah, and Davinson Sanchez and for for generating bonus. 10 chances created, he's third for big chances created with three. And Laporte also is a very good option. He, a huge amount of completed passes by him, and he got one bonus point despite getting a yellow. He's second for BPS, also amongst defenders, behind Alonso on 237. And in the last game, for example, it just showed how many passes he completes and how you could be on for a bonus despite having him in the slender win for City. So 50 passes last game, 40 were complete. That's just eight less than David Silver and two less than Mares. So... You know, he he's really the man who's just passing out of the defence for Guardiola and as the left footer. That seems to be why he's kind of nailed on there. But you know, I'd really be looking at Mendy just because of the ownership and the interest in him um out of the City Boys. Do you think he's worth buying in, Nick?
0: That's the big question. I mean, I'm I'm very pleased with holding Mendy. They've got Southampton at home. You can easily see him returning a 12-pointer in that game. I think definitely if you don't have a Manchester City defender, I know that you've got the goalkeeper. So for you, it would be a case of doubling up. But if you don't own a Manchester City defender and you can afford Mendy, then Mendy would definitely be the one to bring in. If you can't afford him, then Laporte's the other option. And I think that's the case as well with the Chelsea defence. I think they're another one that is worth covering. If you And if you can't afford Alonso, so there's Rudiger, who's only 3.6% owned at the moment, only 5.9 million, and he's delivering solid performances. He's actually got 10 more points than 24.3% owned with Charleston. So Rudiger's another one out there. There's a way of covering the defence if you can't afford the, the most premium. So Mendy's sort of the optimum for City. Alonso, definitely the optimum for Chelsea. But then there are the cheaper alternatives in Rudiger, LaCorte. Potentially, you could say the same for TAA at Liverpool as well as the... Uh, Cheap alternative
1: for Robertson. I Rudiger popping in quite a few stats as well. He's actually second for total completed passes behind uh, Laporte 800 compared to 874. His teammate David Luiz 760. With Alonso, with the historic positioning, I meant to say this about Mendy as well, with these sorts of players, especially Mendy at 6.3 and Robbo in the same sort of price range, in terms of the win backs, I think it's best to think about them as midfielders who are eligible for clean sheets. You're effectively fielding a zero seven three formation if you have Robertson, Mendy, Doherty, Trippier or Alonso in your back three or back four. Alonso historically of course has been the wing back who took the mantle from Leighton Baines as being the most kind of dangerous asset in the game and he's still top for attempts overall he's had 18 attempts joint with uh, Matt Doherty. Doherty's actually had a chance every 47.8 minutes which is more often than Alonso and he's had more shots in the box than Alonso he's had four more shots 15 to Alonso's 11 and five more pen box touches but I mean Alonso's not going anywhere for either of us is he Nick and I'm assuming most people own him too.
0: Yeah, for certain, Alonso is key for me. He's actually now only three points behind Hazard in overall score, unbelievably. It's a bit ridiculous, actually. Prior to this game week, I saw a lot of tweets talking about selling him and saying, oh, he hasn't had an attacking return since game week four. He's got to leave the team. Is it time to sell Alonso? And I just couldn't understand that argument. I couldn't get behind it at all because it was completely ignoring clean sheets, which you mentioned, obviously. And they have to be viewed in the same context as a goal for forwards because a clean sheet gets a a defence the four points a goal gets a forward four points and then there's the possibility of bonus points as well so anything else is an added extra and a virtual guarantee of a, a double figure return i mean i think doherty's um, looked incredibly dangerous i picked him up at 4.4 4. he's now 4.9 but i still think he represents sort of fantastic value there's another dangerous display by him he's very unlucky to return he's now like you said matching um alonso for gold attempts with 18 and he's created 11 chances which are the same as alonso as well and if, if we compare them those numbers for Doherty and Alonso to forwards, that's actually one less goal attempt than Zaha and Aubameyang, one more than Josh King. And he's also created more or the same amount of chances as Lacazette, Kane, Lukaku, Aubameyang, Zaha, King, Dini, Metrovich, and a plethora of other strikers. And let's not forget too, that if a defender does score a goal, it's an extra two points. So a goal for defenders is a whole six points to add in to your uh, overall score. So I think definitely Doherty is another way of covering those top teams. What I've got is I've got four in the back, so it's kind of like the Ram plus Doherty sort of is the optimum setup.
1: Like the whiskey dram, the whiskey yeah. dram. Yeah. <laughs> Here in defence, they obviously got Tottenham and Arsenal next, but after the international break, they've got Huddersfield at home, and then Cardiff away. He's just such a season keeper for me in posting those kinds of numbers. You've, you've got to just be thinking, well, th- there's no way you can be not playing him. There's no way he can be on the splinters for you when he's got tough fixtures. And even on a game week like this week where he didn't register points, like he still took six shots. He's getting in the right positions and that's reassuring. I just wanted to mention one guy in that kind of price bracket, 4.8, who did uh, catch my attention when I was looking at the, um, at the stats, who is a uh, Dinier at Everton. He's actually had a cross uh, once every 9.2 minutes. And he's also had an attempt uh, every 60 minutes when he's been on the field. He's only paid it about 600 minutes. So he's done very well, and um, didn't he? He hasn't actually realised any points yet. But he's looking a little bit dangerous for Everton. And they've uh, you know they've got a, mi- a mixed set of fixtures. They've got Bryson at home next and then Chelsea away. Uh, often touched, they then got Cardiff for home Liverpool away and then a lovely double of home pitch in Newcastle and Watford game week 15 and 16 so he's one i keeping an eye on I'm not buying in yet but he's one I'm keeping an eye on nonetheless I think the last guy kind of on this kind of plane to mention well there's two I guess we got to mention the first one is Robertson Liverpool obviously you know Adam P 3 5 who asked us to nominate one player that we might just keep all season I think he may be the one who just doesn't leave our teams right Nick I think he'd be near the top
0: yeah, definitely. And I think the, the good thing about Robertson and Liverpool is the fact that they've just been so defensively solid this season. And that's that's been the same case as well for both Chelsea and Manchester City. And that's that's the key reason why these guys are so important to our team is is that defensive solidity. I mean, obviously, Robertson didn't play this game week. Alberto Marino randomly got a run out. But I don't think that's a sign of things to come. Robertson has made that position his. And he's going to be playing week in, week out, majority of the season. I mean, Liverpool now have six clubs. Clean sheets, Chelsea of six and Manchester City of seven. You mentioned Dine as an option, but the problem with uh, Dine for me is the fact that Everton are quite poor defensively in comparison. They've only had two clean sheets, so I'd rather the likes of, you know, Rudiger or Laporte doubling up in some of those other teams where you can have almost a guarantee of a clean sheet and then one of those guys can get on the end of the corner and score a goal occasionally as well. So Dine doesn't really work for me as an option. That's the same reason I was quite anti your man um, Ricardo Pereira a little bit as well, just because of the fact that Esther haven't been that strong defensively. So you're you're lot rel- you're more reliant on those attacking returns to get any form of return. I think the other player you wanted to mention, Tom, as well was, was Kim Trippier. I mean, typically the Spurs defence have been solid um, throughout the years. This season, they've only managed four clean sheets so far. So, I've been a little bit weaker in terms of getting those sort of defensive returns for clean sheets. But, Trippier has been good going forward. He's got a goal and a couple of assists. He's always been quite deadly on the um, set pieces as well, um, taking free kicks and corners. And he's he's definitely one to watch. Probably have to wait until maybe sort of back because um, they've got Wolves and Crystal Palace up next. But then it's a couple of tougher games against Chelsea and Arsenal. And without Vatonyan, they they do look a little bit weaker defensively.
1: Yeah, Trippier is uh, high on my radar for game week 15 onwards. Uh, So between game week 15 and uh, 21, they play no teams in the top six from last season. And that takes in home fixtures against Southampton, Burnley, Bournemouth and Wolves and the way fixture at Cardiff as well. Whoever looks nailed in that defence could be in. But, you know, Trippier um, has created the most chances amongst defenders. And as we know, he can often have the set piece play. So I think that he'd definitely be one that I'd be looking at. But I think that really speaking, it is about those kind of free Mendy, Alonso and, and Robertson. I think the only reason I'm a bit more reluctant, as you mentioned earlier, to be buying in Mendy is that I own Edison. And I was looking at Edison's stats and trying to work out how he keeps getting bonuses. It's really bizarre. So Edison, Nick, fun fact, he's, he's made only three more saves than Ben Hamer this year. Uh, he makes a save every 64.3 minutes, uh, which is uh, ridiculous. So, Alisson is the nearest thing; and makes a save every 47.4. And he's also near the bottom for bonus as well, uh, like bonus point creation. So, I don't know how he's doing it at the moment. I like, mean, could be recoveries. He's made 82 of those, joint six with Dubravka. Past completion, he's joint for Lloris. But, like, for whatever reason at the moment, he, he seems to be covering the lack of saves with bonus points being allocated. It's a slender victory for City. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased with owning him. He's the highest owned goalkeeper and the highest-scoring goalkeeper at the moment. Since we've got, actually got decent fixtures to come up, they've got Southampton at home, Man United at home, West Ham away, Bournemouth at home, Watford away. I think that that could be decent enough, though. Like, he's had six clean shoots in a row. I don't see why the majority of those can't be clean sheets as well. Like, it's a six-point baseline that's dripping through. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. So it might mean that I don't need to buy a Mendy. So with that in mind, Nick, I mean, I, I think part of the reason why we're now looking at the defence so much is that the strikers aren't doing very well. And I believe you've had a look at the first strikers and what's going on there. And maybe why the structure may be suiting investing at the back.
0: Exactly. So there is a lot more money flowing around to spend on these defenders and these premium assets. And like you mentioned, Edison is, is a premium goalkeeper. There's that money floating around perhaps to will invest a little bit more on your goalkeeper. I mean, Edison's now actually incredibly three points behind Aguero in terms of score. And considering Aguero got a 20-point return against Huddersfield, that's quite shocking. So the defenders and the goalkeepers are really matching the forwards because Aguero is perhaps the key premium forward. Most of us own Aguero. I've managed to escape the last few game weeks without um, owning him. And I've tried to go for a couple of the other sort of options in the premium bracket. Never picked the right one, though, which was Aubameyang. And I think it's a lot of money flowing around. And whilst we. All kind of expected Murata, who's the sort of premium Chelsea forward, to be a disappointment. No one ever really thought much of him that he could do much. There has been a lot more disappointment in terms of Kane and Lukaku's return so far. Both of those have been really sort of drab in terms of what they've delivered and, and what we sort of have come to expect from those players from the past few seasons. I mean, Kane, he's got an ownership currently of 24.8%, but he's only managed to accrue 49 points so far. So he's not past that 50 points a club. And at 12.4 million, this is terrible value. And just to quantify this, I actually looked for every point, it's 3.9 points he's managed to accrue per million. And this actually makes him worse value than the likes of Dejan Lovren who's only actually played three games so far this season, and worse value than the entire Cardiff defence as well. So uh yeah, not not great at all, to be honest, in terms of what Kane's offered for the sort of value that you you've ended up spending on this guy. Mm. And I think in, in the in the preseason, I was a bit more critical, I guess, of the mid-price strikers, the mid-price forwards, and I sort of said you don't need a first striker; you can go for one of these Kamara-type guys or Success, who's obviously done well this game week. But I think the six-point-seven million bracket, there's a few options out there. Anatovic, Wilson obviously has been doing fantastically well. Mitrovic has been doing okay at Fulham, and you know, then you've got the likes of Ings and Jimenez. If you even want to spend a little bit less money, you know, these guys are five-point-five million um, offer a really good value for a sort of a second forward in your team rather than going for those previously I think last season I remember we both owned Kane and Lukaku at the start of the season a lot of other people if they didn't own one of those guys they probably had Aguero instead but this season you only really need one of these guys perhaps Aguero perhaps Aubameyang in a few game weeks time but other than that there's just not it's just not worth the value for spending that money in in that front line and it gives you an extra six million or so to, to invest it elsewhere in the team in your defense
1: Yeah, so maybe it's the case that having Kun Wilson or something like that is going uh, going to be worthwhile. And we've got a question on these kinds of guys later on, so we'll answer that in a bit more detail then. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, Nick. Probably now going to be met with the fact that all teams can lead next week and there's no assists or goals for, for the premium defenders. They're all going to blank, aren't they? No spoken about them. To me, it sounds like from that analysis that one or two premium strikers need to really emerge and give us a question. Or Bam Yang, of course, is now the top striker in FPL or joint top with Callum Wilson. <laughs> right, let's so take a break there, Nick, and we'll move on to features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back, and we're going to do our features section now. This is where we do our um, where we update you on our regular bits and pieces, which are market forces, the zombie league, and the All England team. Uh, the first one to talk about is the FPL NTI. Uh, the transfers in and out, and moves and shakes in the transfer market. And Nick, as usual, you're the man across the numbers. Uh, you've been noticing a few strange trends this week.
0: Yeah, so the uh, interesting
1: uh, one, sort of after
0: 18 months in FPL wilderness, so to speak, is is Ross Barkley. And he's back on the scene. Uh, He's had over 180,000 transfers in at the time of recording. And he's uh, stormed right up to the top of the market forces following that 17-point return against Burnley with three goals and three assists now in his last three. I mean, the question remains to Barkley is, is he going to continue to start? I mean, his minutes so far this season indicate he's been playing more of a role of the squad player have a home match against Palace it's a good week for the 5.8 million pounds man who's been sort of definition of mercurial throughout his career uh, to bring him in I think with Barkley it's interesting though Obviously, most of us already own Hazard and Alonso. Do we want to triple up on Chelsea? If we do, Barkley is that really cheap enabler that can fit into our midfield and make that makes it possible. And what's quite interesting, actually, is um, the one I'm being sold um, is also a Chelsea man, Eden Hazard, over 100,000 transfers out that just doesn't make any sense to me at all um he's got crystal palace at home we expect he'll be back I said this last game week I said what's going on with Sadio Mane everyone seems to be selling him he's, he's top for transfers out last game week and they have Cardiff at home what's that all about of course he he was fit and he scored the brace it's going to be exactly the same with Hazard's don't sell wait for news he's likely to be back he's far too expensive surely to sell and he's, he's far too good especially with a very good home fixture uh coming up for for hazards
1: yeah, exactly. I think um, FPL Chancellor uh, Dan also mentioned that, that on Twitter recently that people who are selling Barkley for Hazard, like, what are you doing? Look at the FPL statistics, uh, visualization of the uh, the inwards and outwards sale. Uh, absolutely crazy. Like uh, so issuing a fine for no reason to even Hazard. There's no point in doing that. Second for transfers is uh, is Callum Wilson, isn't it, Nick? And he's been coming in a lot for Alexander Mitrovic, who um, I'm thinking of transferring out. Uh, Callum Wilson with a 13 point return after a penalty goal and a on top of a 3-0 victory for Bournemouth, 166,000 transfers in, 83,000 transfers out for, for Mitrovic. And Anautovic as well being sold, it seems, for Wilson too. 65,000 transfers out for him, which is a bit crazy for Anautovic. But I'm gonna, I, I want this trend to continue, Nick. I really do. Because of the fact that, you know, from now until game week 21, they only play Man City of the top six teams last season. So... If you do own on Outreach and think of selling, I would definitely guarantee that you sell. That will be fantastic. Please keep doing it. And guys who want to look at him and buy him in, convince all your friends to sell him and get him down to 6.9. Uh, um, I think it <laughs> would be really amazing over Christmas.
0: Yeah, I think Inaltovich falls into that same hazard camp of people being spooked by the yellow flag, being people being spooked by the fact he didn't play and selling him. And it just doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know if it's just a bunch of automated macros that are doing it or something, but it it seems very strange that there's been over 60,000 transfers out for Inaltovich. Wilson obviously, with his grace, uh, is the man. is the main beneficiary. so don't sixty hundred sixty thousand in. I mean, he's only six point six. He's obviously very good value for me. I think I've got Mitrovic. I'm not thinking of doing that Mitrovic to Wilson swap. Uh, Mitrovic, um, despite Fulham looking absolutely terrible, remains sort of Fulham's leading man in terms of going forwards. And um, they're playing fellow strugglers Huddersfield up next whilst Wilson's got um, a tougher fixture against the improving Manchester United. In the last few game weeks, um, Wilson has presented the better underlying stats. Uh, Mitrovic pretty quiet in the last couple of game weeks especially. But over the course of the season, he has had a really good season. He's had 36 goal attempts compared to Wilson's 26. So he's still still beating Wilson overall in terms of goal attempts. And he's also matching him for goals as well. And, uh it's worth considering that one of Wilson's goals was a penalty, and uh, Josh King's likely to be back uh, to resume penalty taking duties as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we both like Wilson. I mean, I've, I've had Wilson for the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to give him uh, maybe another game, uh, maybe two games, um, to prove his form is not fluke. Uh, but it could be the case that over the last kind of ten game weeks that they were very good Bournemouth, so it could be the fixtures begot form, and that might kind of start to regress a little bit now. And apart from that, you know, we've mentioned uh, Barkley and Hazard at the moment in the market force it very much looks like a midfield switcheroo doesn't it Nick with Pereira from Watford uh, Mane and uh, Martial whose unhappy icon next to his name appears to have gone away being brought in at the expense of the likes of Madison and Lucas Moura
0: so Madison's had over 65,000 transfer outs Pereira over 90,000 um, transfers in I think this one stings a little bit for me because I was very close to drafting in Pereira but instead uh I brought in Madison who's proceeded to blank every game week case of me sort of storming out of that dressing room unhappy but um, I think Leicester I think Madison's definitely playing that Sid gilfey Sigerson role within my team um, I obviously, I had Gilfey at the beginning of the season proceeded to blank every game week since I sold him he, he's returned consistently very consistently getting points but Madison has been getting into the right positions and that's reassuring he's uh, creating lots of chances for Slabhead to rattle against that crossbar he's been assisting offside goals etc but just not returning those FPL points still saying that Leicester do have Cardiff next um hopefully that game does go ahead despite obviously what happened at the weekend which was terrible and um, Watford have Newcastle up next so Le- Leicester do have a great run of fixtures Watford's also have a reasonable run of fixtures so um I think both Pereira and, and Madison still um are decent options in in that mid-price bracket
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know you got to hope that Leicester are going to rally together and uh, really do very well over the next kind of few games. I suspect that might well happen after the tragic events of this weekend okay uh, let's move on to the zombie team then nick this is where we check on the progress of our shambling zombies with teams obviously owned by our unspecified family members this are uh, no chips no transfers no changes league and uh, these guys are part of the 25.3 percent of the teams which are no longer playing there 25.3 percent of players now haven't made a transfer in the last five weeks according to fpl statistics it was a below average reap my zombies unfortunately um obama yang scored again um up 16 points from my captain which is quite good as pericueta edison and duffy turn clean sheets but my midfield is still a war zone kevin de bruyne erickson and jota and kearney all only had one point from cameo appearances and pereira was dropped altogether by leicester so it, it wasn't very good for me really this week i'm, I'm kind of uh, floundering around in the zombie league around the kind of 1000 mark and unless Bam Yang really pulls it together and uh, kevin de bruyne and erickson return to primacy uh, i'm not looking very good right now how about you nick how are your zombies doing so with my Zombies, I had a team meeting and, and told them to kick on.
0: All reacted well, and our uh, team morale was actually superb because they got me 71 points. So spurred on, like my main team, by the select captaincy, finally delivering. Matt Ryan again delivers, and Riyad Mahrez as well continued to deliver for the Zombies with double figure returns. And David Louise and Mendy also picked up clean sheets, so they've had to climb up to uh, the glory heights of 1.5 million now in, in overall rank.
1: So in first this week, it's uh, in the Zombie League, that is. It's Marino Bruyne, uh, 38 weeks later, which is an awesome name. 68 points, Aubameyang captain. And Sadio Mane and Guilfie Sigurdsson doing business for him. In second, it's Taralyn Pacheco with Looking for a Prayer. Aubameyang captain again and Mane um, also doing a job for him. In third, it's Thomas Storheil. With Zombie storehouse again Aubameyang captain and again Mane doing the business. There's a bit of a theme here. Uh, in fourth, it's Zombieland NP. who had Pickford, who saved penalty again for the second week in a row. And uh, Sadio Mane uh, captaincy there for 30 points. And uh, down to fifth, it's uh, Rob May, Zombie Mango, uh, who got 53 points. Pickford again with the uh, penalty save, uh, really helping him out. A uh, Koneguero captaincy returning only four points for him this week, so you know a fair bit of movement. Only eight points separating first from second in the Zombie League, and uh, they'll certainly will be hoping that uh, things continue to develop very well there. And moving on, then finally to the uh, All England team this week quite a difficult one for them as we know there are a fair few kind of characters not really returning 40 points uh, they brought onto the shelf we took out danny ward who wasn't playing for cardiff but yeah only 40 points uh pick for the penalty save the highlight of the week jamie vardy was the captain and only came on at halftime but i think it's just unlucky to some extent like there's a lot of players there Trippier, taa madison kane who didn't return anything who would be backing to return stuff in the near future
0: Maybe it's time to to bring in uh, Ross Barkley or Callum Wilson, even though he's ineligible, obviously, because he plays from the way.
1: Exactly. All right, let's take a break then, Nick, and we'll move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's time to catch up with the
0: who got the assist mini league and see who's uh, at the top. And it's this guy, guy, still at the top with uh, a Vinaldium Levio Salah. He got an incredible 91 points this game week. So, yeah, super return. Um, Edison in goal, like yourself, Tom. He had Alonso, Mendy, um, he had Fraser, Richarlison, Salah captaincy, which um, was. A great call of the week. Uh he also ended with Charleston and Wilson. So yeah, brilliant return for him. And in terms of overall rank, he's now up to ninth in the world, which is just absolutely fantastic. But there are a few people that are very close behind him. Uh Kurt Goodwin, the Iron Naddy's got a brilliant return as well, 86 points. He's only 10 behind Guy Guy. We've got Maddie Razor, um, boom, got 81 points, um, seven points behind Kurt. Um, we've got Arrol Ravindran um, with Uruguay, 88 points. He's on 731 points. And then Matt Frisky as well, the Koyati kids with 80 points, making up the top five with 730 points, knocking out Ashley Humphrey from that top five. So, yeah, well done, guys. It's great to see such high scores at the top of the league and so many people sort of performing uh, right at the highest level. I mean, we've got about five or six people in the top 100 now, so which is absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, exactly. I and mean, the person who's 50 on the end of the first page is in uh, at 1.8K in the world. So it's quite a good little uh, barometer of uh, how well our little league is doing. Just a couple of things to mention this week. The first thing, as I'll keep saying every week, is the it's the FPL London Christmas meetup on the 14th of December, 7pm at the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill. If you don't like us, then come for, at least for a uh, Peter Blake Mathsave FPL and buy him a drink. But yeah, uh, let me know if you can come. Uh, we've got quite a lot of people coming now. I think it's over 20. Um, but I've got a little room booked out in the pub unfortunately there's no game that weekend but we can nonetheless agonize over last minute transfers and maybe make some ill-advised moves once we've had a couple of beers the second thing to mention is that we're going to be on the fpl show on the 1st of november which is on thursday and nick and i are taking a half day and we're going to spend it in the pub looking through the stats and hopefully not not arriving at the studio half cut to meet jules and james
0: yeah, I'm sure it will go well. Um, so let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the questions now. So the first question we we sort of talked about it a little bit early on, but it's about the sort of the cheaper strikers, the first striker and the second striker. Simi asked us, uh, should we do Wilson? Should they do Wilson to an out pitch? Will Bills asked about um, Murray Ken Murray uh, for. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic and FPL Mac asked us about anoutovic to uh, Murray. So lots of sort of swapping around by the guys. Uh, Samantha and FPL abue also asked us about what to do with with Mitrovic.
1: Yeah, I mean this is an interesting one here because with Mitrovic, I think that he definitely looks like a player who's reaching the last legs in terms of his time in my team. Uh, obviously, we had the goal against Watford in game week six when you got eight points, and then. He got an assist in game week nine, but it has been a steady stream of blanks, really, uh, since then. It's just whether I keep him in for the Huddersfield game. And there's a few kind of worrying statistics on Mitrovic. So he's only had an attempt once every 45 minutes compared to an you know, attempt every 21 minutes by Anatovic. He's been completely outstatted by Anatovic over the last four games. And that's bearing in mind the fact that Anatovic didn't play one of those games. And watching the Fulham games, he's anonymous a lot of the time. And maybe, you know, Tom Kearney coming back and adopting that playmaker role is going to help him out a little bit but I'm just wondering whether it's worth selling him on now and getting that first move a bonus on on Altovic versus uh, Burnley, or whether it's worth keeping him for one more week. I'm just not too sure at the moment. Like I think on Altovic, with the upcoming fits, as I mentioned earlier, being absolutely golden, is the guy that you should be really looking at. Wilson, in terms of the form, is the guy to keep, and, and in terms of the price point as well, if you bought him at six, six point. One six point two six point three. Like, that's absolutely excellent value for Callum Wilson. So I think maybe on and Wilson, too, I'm really going to be looking at. Like in terms of Murray, Murray hasn't actually had that many goal attempts in the last four games and he's got a ridiculous conversion rate. Brighton's fit to stay fairly good over the next five. I'm quite happy to own, obviously, uh, Duffy on the bench. Uh, they've got Everton away, Cardiff away, Leicester at home, Huddersfield away, and Crystal Palace at home over the next five. But I, I just think that we're going to probably see Glenn Murray not returning often like he has been recently so yeah I think it's Wilson on Altovic for me what about you Nick?
0: Yeah I think for me I am going to keep Mitrovic um, for another game week I've got other fires to put out and I do like that game against Huddersfield I think with Fulham they're performing so badly. team morale is obviously abysmal at the moment but you know it's not much higher at Huddersfield Huddersfield just got thrashed 3-0 by Watford it could easily be a case that Fulham come out fighting and Mitrovic can bag uh, a brace against Huddersfield and and I don't want to sell him before that fixture of course if he does blank in that game they don't have Liverpool and that presents the perfect opportunity for me to sell Mitrovic because it's unlikely that they're going to get much against Liverpool and at that point um, West Ham didn't have that game against Huddersfield so it will probably be a case um, of swapping Mitrovic to Anatovic or maybe even to Callum Wilson, seeing as I've not owned him for so long and if Callum Wilson does return and something against Manchester United and it, it might be impossible for me to ignore him even though ball with fixtures even after that Manchester United game are still pretty tough they've got a run of Newcastle, Arsenal, Manchester City, Huddersfield, Liverpool and uh, it's not really the right time now to, to double up on those cherries I've already got Ryan Fraser so um, it probably will be an Anatovic that comes in for me for Mitrovic but just not this game week I'm just going to give him one more final chance to prove himself.
1: Yeah I mean that's what's making me maybe think I'll go to Arnautovic. Like He's actually top for pen box touches over the last four games, despite only playing kind of 2.8, uh, 2. 2.9 of them, which is absolutely crazy. Like, he is the talisman there. And I think that if he gets something against Burnley, if he can beat Mishra's output, then I'll kind of be a transfer ahead of everybody else. So I'm, I'm really thinking about that. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next question, Nick. And it's probably one for you uh, over me. FPL Claret asks about Madison and uh, whether he needs to downgrade him. In order to upgrade his bench, maybe. And FPL Lewis also asked what to do about Madison. Um, what are your current thoughts on uh, England's next bright young thing?
0: I think, again, with Madison, with the Leicester fixtures, I fully expect that they'll kick on and, and deliver some really good performances in the next few game weeks. They've got Cardiff, Burnley, Brighton, Watford, and Fulham um, in the next five. So they're, they're great fixtures. I think he, he probably is another case of a guy who's, who's going to be staying in my team. I don't really want to start taking hits to remove him with those fixtures. So um, I I will be holding. There are other alternatives out there in that price bracket that we've mentioned. Roberto Pereira's... um, one of the ones that is doing particularly well. Watford still have some nice fixtures. they got Newcastle and Southampton up next before it gets a little bit tougher for them with Liverpool, Leicester and Manchester City. But I think, yeah, Madison's definitely not a case of a buy at the moment. But if you do own him and you've got other fires to put out, I would suggest to hold him as there's probably other priorities that need fixing in your team.
1: Yeah, exactly. With the set-piece monopoly, I think that there's enough there to convince you that given those fixtures, he's worth keeping. He's fourth for chances created over the last four of 12, and he's also created three big chances, which is pretty decent, and given the fact that Leicester's fixtures are looking okay, um, I wouldn't be buying him in, but equally, I, I wouldn't be getting rid of him either. The next question is about Guerno. Uh, Alan, it says that with the recently depressed record, is it time to say goodbye to Kun anytime soon? Um, it's a case of kind of saying, well, he's probably going to be the runaway captain pole leader next week. So keep him for Southampton, probably captain Southampton. Afterman United in game week 12, but West Ham away, Bournemouth are home and Watford away. Bearing in mind those fixtures, I, I think that it's probably a bit risky to be getting rid of Aguero, especially kind of a, a, the Bournemouth game. I think will be, be he'll be a captain for a lot of people that week. Um, so uh, I'm probably unsure about getting rid of Aguero anytime soon. It's kind of like if he gives me ex- an excuse to get rid of him, if he's injured, then I will. But given the ownership and given the fact that he's still top for attempts among strikers, I, I just can't see the case for getting rid of him right now. Like, But surely, again, there's other things to be dealing with and get rid of him.
0: Well, actually, for me, I, I'm, not, I'm a non-Aguero owner. I'm actually thinking about purchasing him. So I'm doing the exact opposite here. So um, I would say do not sell him, hold him, Because for me, I'm bringing him in. I think he's definitely been that player that I've been hiding behind the sofa the most. In regards to uh, watching the last two game weeks, and especially against Burnley, I was very lucky to not get uh, too heavily punished. Lacazette was my last minute punt this game week. Idiotically, I didn't end up going for the boomerang that I talked about on the pod, which would have paid off. But with all these other premium strikers like Kane, Lukaku, um, all these other really expensive strikers not doing anything, Aguero is the player that should stay on your team. I'm saying there's only one space, really, for a premium striker in everybody's team. And for me, that is Aguero. And in terms of the last six game weeks, in terms of goal attempts, he's had 27, which is eight more than any other forwards in just the last six game weeks. So for me, I think Aguero is that player that I'm going to be bringing in this week for um, Lacazette. But come game week 16, I think Aubameyang is going to be that main man. As Arsenal then really embark in a decent run of fixtures of uh, Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton, uh, Liverpool, then Fulham. But for now, I think Aguero is definitely the forward to own out of the premium
1: ones. Yeah, I think Kun's the man that you'd be saying, you have faith in his ability. Your answer there also answers uh, Wilson Ung's question about Lacazette and what we do with him. The final question this week is from Deepak, who asks, is it worth benching more on your bench than ever, um, given the fact that it seems vital because of the plethora of no-shows this week? And you know, I spoke at the top of the pod about the 12th man being very important about, you know, that I that's, I've got Kendi and Duffy, who can come off my bench and return me nine points. And there are a lot of people who were getting stuff like, you know, a balbuena off the bench uh, with a goal. So Nick did very well this week because you had success and you had uh, Wan-Bissaka and, one, and obviously success returned. What do you think about the bench and how do you think we managers should be really thinking about it? There was a raging debate in our Slack not very long ago about having 14 players that you'd be happy to play every single one of them and I was just like, no, I want a bench that is a bench. I obviously,
0: I think when we discussed this as well on our on our live pods on YouTube,
1: when I talked about uh,
0: the concept of selling Wan-Bissaka, I got roundly criticised, and I still think there is a case of selling him because he isn't delivering the points anymore. We haven't seen much um, in terms of returns from him, and the Crystal Palace defence hasn't looked particularly strong. And I think there are other options, like you mentioned, Duffy for Brighton's been doing very well. You could easily have sort of found that extra 0.3 million or whatever you need. Um, now to turn wan into Duffy and picked up all those clean sheets and uh, returns in the last few game weeks. And uh, Brighton's fixtures are still uh, pretty reasonable as well for the next six. They've got Everton, Cardiff, Leicester, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace and Burnley. So I think there's definitely a case of if you are looking to invest a little bit more in the defence, have someone who can come on, then um, bringing on Duffy over bringing on um, wan for uh, Crystal Palace's next three, which are Chelsea, Spurs and United there is definitely a case for that i think also looking at slightly more premium well not premium but spending a little bit more money perhaps on that fifth midfielder i think there is a case of um doing that you know the likes of david brooks for instance only costs um a little bit more than the likes of kennedy and other players um, and seems much better value for money in terms of the uh attacking attacking
1: output that he shows yeah, absolutely. I think you're coming at it, though, remembering that you've got four at the back, so you've only got one spot to mess around with in terms of there being a bench player. Like For me and for a lot of people, I think there's going to be three at the back, and I've got Duffy and I've got Wan-Bissaka. I think the key is with Wan-Bissaka is that he's the third bench, and don't really need to care about him. And it's also worth noting that from game weeks 14 uh, all the way up to game week 22, only, uh, they only play Man City of all the top six teams last year, and that takes in the run of playing Burnley at home and Cardiff at home. At the moment, I think it's probably, you know, okay to have him as the third bencher, um, but he may come into the reckoning a little bit more around game week, kind of 14, 15, 16 sort of time. But, you know, with Kennedy as the person that I own there, as the 12th man off the bench, I still think that's okay. That's probably worth owning. But I am looking at taking Kennedy down to Camarasa. actually. Uh, Josh Murphy, probably, maybe another person to mention there. But Camarasa just because, you know, 4.5, he's going to play every game and you know, has those corners and has something a little bit extra on the likes of Billing and Hoiberg. I mean, Cardiff's fixtures are okay until game week 23 they only play man united and tottenham of the top six last year and if they're going to do anything this year this is the time for them to get points so maybe Camarasa will be okay coming off the bench as the 12th man every now and again uh, but i'll be favoring maybe actually having duffy as first sub but yeah i think having a bench is definitely worthwhile here isn't it because of the fact that we're going to see with the man city players with the liverpool players they are going to be rotated a little bit to take them out of the firing line if they're starting to feel fatigued and in the red zone aren't they nick so that might mean that having at least two active players on the bench is going to become very, very important. I've seen a lot of people with no one on the bench, for example, which is a little bit dangerous right now.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely need players to can get you returns you definitely need players that are playing week in week out I think that's pretty critical so there's no point you know bringing in your your 4.2 million pound midfielders or your 3.8 million pound defenders like Peltier because it's even though you're, you're saving those and scrimping those extra pennies these players do come in and it's always nice to get you know at least a two points off the bench or something along those lines rather than zero and having a, you know a 10-man team turn up but I think with your bench players you can't expect Massive returns from them, you know. They're on your bench for a reason. They're cheap for a reason. Um, you just want that possibility that they might return. And I was very lucky to to have success this game week from from the bench with a six pointer. And uh, and you got something as well from uh, from Duffy as
1: well. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, I think you know, even if it's a Cardiff player, like a lot of people have obviously an aversion to bringing in these sorts of terrible players. Um, but even if it is a player like that, like hamarasa the fact he plays for Cardiff is irrelevant. Like, he gets two points and he takes corners. Like, so there's a chance that he could get an assist if you need that player in that situation. So I think it's definitely worth kind of just looking at benches like Dozy who's still hanging around and kind of thinking, oh, like, can I move him on? Especially if you've got a two free transfers or something like that, like moving him on and doing that. And that, that's a nice little segue, I think, to maybe our transfers and captains this week, because I'm like, you know, I need 0.1 to move Mitrovic on to Arnautovic. And to free up the 0.1, I'm now thinking, looking at uh, Brokotas, Kennedy, and thinking about maybe moving him on to Kamarasa. It's giving me 0.3. I think maybe buying in Kennedy was a bit of a silly idea because he's not going to come off the bench, and Camarasa probably offers a similar amount of bench insurance as Kennedy does. So making him at 0.3, leaving that this week, leaving Mitrovic this week and buying an Auschwitz next week is one idea, or I just buy an Auschwitz this week and hope that he outscores Mitrovic away at Hudsfield. And I'm going to captain Kun Aguera, I think. What about you, Nick? What do you think of doing this week, and who are you captioning? So for me, I had this sort of one-week punt on
0: Lacazette, which didn't really work out in the end. Um, I think it's time to to stop sort of messing around. Finally, bring in Agüero. Um, I fully expect a performance from him. I expect him to do it for the fans, but it's it's time. I think uh, it's it's a bit silly not owning him, and I think. I fully expect him to to deliver against Southampton um, a decent return. In terms of the captaincy, I haven't given it too much thought yet, to be honest. I think it might just be a case of Aguero just coming straight in and being the captain as well. I'm never a fan of transferring in the player and giving him the captaincy um, straight away because I always feel like it's tempting fate too much. There are other options out there. Uh, Hazard, if he's fit, I think he'd be a decent option as the captaincy. Perhaps even Marcus Alonso, if I'm feeling really daring. I was tempted to give him the captaincy this game week as well. I actually ended up giving him the vice and he would have delivered a decent return, though not as high as Salah. So perhaps he's another option as well.
1: Yeah, A few people mentioning, of course, that that uh, Arsenal-Liverpool game may be quite open. So having Salah or Mane captain might be a good idea okay uh, there's a theme every week last week it was marvel and it was caught by fplh this week again quite interesting one hopefully you guys have got it just say who we are again of course we are who got this. assist you can find us on twitter at wca underscore fpl yeah
0: and if you want to join our mini league the lead code is 516-441
1: Yeah, We'll be joined next week by Rishi, uh, FPL Raccoon Nation, all the way from Canada for our inaugural uh, Transatlantic podcast, which we're really much looking forward to. And catch us on the FPL show this Thursday. Uh, We'll be back in Game Week 11 to talk about that and many other things. But for now, we hope this is just the G. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.